I got the feeling of what it feels like to open my heart up and be with myself. Understood the kind of energy that that just enlivens your body with. And it's it's that kind of energy that I believe is is healing me and that is powering me to not need all of the extra medicinal, supplemental, therapeutic, whatnot that I needed before. Nowadays, I'm just recognizing when I'm falling into old patterns of like worry or anxiety or anger, resentment. And then I go, those aren't healing emotions. Those aren't healing frequencies. And that's not in line with what I want right now. Once I notice that I've done that, I say, okay, now it's time to switch, open myself up, connect to more healing emotions like love and sit with that until it sticks. person actually make a difference in unifying the entire world? What are some tools I can use to live a life of more freedom? These are just some of the concepts you'll hear about in every episode of See One Beautiful Soul. If you've listened to this podcast before now, you've probably noticed that I make a lot of references to Dr. Joe Dispenza and meditation and this thing called a coherence healing and my coach Manu, who is phenomenal. I go deeper into that sort of work in this episode, and the reason is because I met my guest, Chelsea, at a Coherence Healing at a Dr. Joe Dispenza retreat, and we have met since then at a Joe Dispenza community group, and she's just phenomenal, and she's such a great living example of someone who has allowed meditation to really heal her. I've been wanting to do an episode about the amazing healing that coherence healings themselves and also meditation can do for the body, for the mind, for the spirit, for the soul. I've had Dr. Hamal Patel, who is Dr. Joe Dispenza's number one research scientist at the moment. And we've talked about how meditation can heal. And we've talked a little bit about coherence healing, but this particular episode really dives into it. So get your seatbelt on. It's going to be an interesting ride. And just know that I have benefited from coherence healings, both in the Dr. Joe Dispenza community and also outside of that as well. Uh, You don't have to go to a Dr. Joe Dispenza retreat to benefit from coherence healings or from the properties that will happen to your body, to your mind, to your emotional life when you start to do meditation. But also don't necessarily rush out to do meditation either. I I, I think that, and I want to give caution to people, because I do teach introduction to meditation and mindfulness classes sometimes and have been for many years, I want to caution you that sometimes the scariest thing a person can do is just sit with their own thoughts. Find a meditation group. Find someone online. You can, you can listen to one of my meditations. They're all on my website, barbheller.com. Just look for Mindful Meditations with Maura B or go to YouTube and look at my YouTube channel. I have a whole playlist of my meditations that I created. Find someone that you resonate with. Find a voice that you like to listen to. Listen to beautiful meditational music and just start slow. But if you want to be a part of the community that I'm a part of, it's a very beautiful community of coherence healers. Many of us have done Dr. Judith Benz's work, but there are lots of different groups that you can join. And if you just look for coherence healing groups, make sure you interview the people who are running them and really kind of get a feel in your gut for 
whether this is good or not so good for you. Um, I happen to be a huge fan of Dr. Joe, and I think if you haven't been to one of his retreats, it is a great idea to, to go and to experience what a coherence healing is like in person. But there are other people who are doing it, and he is so humble. He's always like, just do this work. Find a way to do it. And the reason I caution you is because there are people with different agenda out there, and I, I just don't want you to be led astray because you had a bad experience once or because someone's trying to make money off of it. So you'll know. I, I trust your gut. Just check in with your gut and, and pray a little bit about it and meditate on it. Is this the right group for me? Does this feel aligned with my inner being and, and what would be for my highest and best self? And I think you'll be really blown away by Chelsea's story. Before I bring her on, I just want to remind everyone that if you're in the New York area, New Jersey, or um, Philly area, on Sunday, October 15th at 2 p.m., I will be performing my show, Messianic Moments and Cosmic Conversations, in the United Solo Fest, which is the largest solo show fest in the world. And you can get tickets right now at barbheller.com backslash solo show. Enjoy this episode. Please feel free to write me if you want to get in touch with Chelsea. She's a very private person, so I'm not even including her last name in this. Uh, however, you will be blown away by her story. I just know it. So here we go. Hi, Chelsea. So nice to see you here today. Hi, Barbara. So, Thanks for having me. I met you at a Dr. Joe Dispenza retreat, a three-day event. And as soon as I saw you, I was like, this girl has something magical. And I think you were there for a coherence healing, correct? Actually, no, I wasn't there for a coherence healing. Okay. So I'm going to explain to everybody what that is. If you don't know what it is, you can always email me at info at barbheller.com. And I can tell you more about it. Uh, the coherence healings that are happening in the world are not just fascinating. They're life-changing, life-giving. My own father who suffers from leukemia sometimes and also um, Parkinson's sometimes. And the reason why I say sometimes is because his health goes up and down. He's actually usually great. And in part because of his coherence healings. Uh, what's a coherence healing? It's basically when a group of people get together, whether online, on Zoom or in person, and they have someone or a few people in the center of a circle. And it doesn't have to be physical. It can be online. And they sit around that person with their hands sort of facing them, their hearts open. And there's usually a guided meditation, someone leading it. And they just send good energy to the people who are in the middle who need help. We don't know usually what their sickness is, if they're dealing with something physical, emotional, or spiritual. The first time I experienced this was at a Dr. Joe Dispenza retreat for seven days in Mexico. And even though we were all there to recharge our brains and learn about the neuroscience behind healing, we had to do these coherence healings on, I, I believe, day three or day four. And then we did one every day, sometimes multiple times a day. What I loved about it is that it was the first, like I've been to prayer circles, I've been to women's circles, I've been to healing circles. I had never been to a straight up coherence healing. And what I loved about it was that it was instantaneous. The people who were seated in the middle or laying down in the middle, or even online when I would do them later on, we would do online because of of COVID, they got instant results. They would talk about it. And at first I was like, you know, my cynical side was like, did they hire these people? You know, were they plants? And when I met you, you were one of those people that gave me so much hope. And the cool thing about doing this is that everybody wins, right? The people in the middle get healing. 
whether it's a big one or a tiny one, there's breakthroughs that happen because of this beautiful silence that's in between the meditation where no one's talking. You know, you might have a guided meditation or someone leading it and there's usually music, but no one's saying, oh, I like that. I didn't like that. I'm not really into this. I am into this. Everyone just goes into the zone. But also there's sort of like an after party where people talk about like what happened. And usually the people who are giving the healing, the healers, so to speak, who may never have taken a class in this, don't have any training in it. They're just there to open their hearts and their hands to heal. They get healed too. (laughs) So Chelsea just mentioned that she wasn't there for coherence healing. We're going to get into why she was there in the first place, but I'm so grateful that I met you. Your story is amazing. I can't wait to dive into it. So Welcome to the podcast, Chelsea. I just wanted to explain what it was for people who were like, what are they talking about? So tell us everything. First of all, where are you from? What happened to bring you to the Joe Dispenza retreat? I guess I'm from all over. You know, I've lived in a bunch of different states in the U.S., but I grew up like childhood in the Midwest. So that's 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 where I consider myself to be from, you know. As for like why I started to attend Dr. Joe events, um, I was born with cystic fibrosis, which is a genetic condition, a genetic mutation, and it's progressive disease. It's a cellular disease, so it affects the entire body, but particularly deadly part is how it affects the lungs. It causes a lot of mucus buildup that's like thick and sticky and hard to get out. That mucus is like a great sort of home for bacteria and viruses that the immune system can't really get at. So chronic infections and stuff like that. And over time, those infections tend to turn lung tissue into scar tissue. And then it becomes non-functional until you get to the point with double lung transplant, which is a point that I'm at. And so when I got to that point of needing the double lung transplant, I just kind of felt like it wasn't the right thing for me to do. And I started to look for other things to do. And there wasn't really much option. My doctor told me it's either the transplant or we ease your suffering as you die. There wasn't a whole lot of options, but I looked anyway and eventually kind of stumbled across Dr. Joe. And I started the meditations and I started working on myself. And somehow, even though my lung function is definitely still severe and I still qualify for the lung transplant, somehow... I'm able to walk around just fine. I'm able to not use oxygen, supplemental oxygen. And, you know, I have this amazing quality of life that uh, you you really wouldn't expect for someone in my situation. Um, my doctors are pretty surprised and don't really know what to say. And that, that's where I'm at right now. Wow. And did you have to change your diet? Like, are you completely off dairy? You live in Los Angeles, which is full of smog. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how you do that. <laughs> it was hard at first. I tried a lot of things in my whole like search for how to heal, but I tried like going vegan. I tried a, lo- a lot of different like other healing modalities, like a Rife machine and Beamer mats and sound healing. I ended up liking a vegan diet, but now nowadays I'm a lot more relaxed about it. I prefer vegan options, but I'll still eat like meat and dairy on occasion because I... I'm just at the point where I don't believe anything can really hurt me anymore. So it's fine. Wow. How wonderful is that? You were born with cystic fibrosis. Mm -hmm. Does anyone know how that happened? Like, was there a severe smoker around your mom while she was pregnant with you or? uh, So cystic fibrosis is a genetic mutation. So there's just one little sequence of DNA that is randomly mutated and it tends to skip like five generations or so, which is why we didn't really know what it was because, you know, five generations ago, they didn't have the tests for cystic fibrosis. Uh, Usually it pops up 
as a child dying as failure to thrive. They eat, but they can't digest food because that's how CF works. So no matter how much food they eat, they just slowly die. Like they just lose weight until they die. Yeah, it's just kind of like a happenstance sort of a thing. People believe that it came around from, is it cholera? I can't quite remember the disease at the moment, but um, people think that it manifested as a result of like one of those epidemics. Yeah. yeah. You were chosen for this. I guess so. Yeah. I don't think anything's random or happenstance. So Neither do I. yeah, which I love about you. You normally in this situation would have to have some sort of apparatus that would help you breathe with oxygen. And when did you stop needing to use that? Or did you ever use that? Even before I started doing the meditations for Dr. Joe, I wanted to get off it because it was just so annoying. I just hated it. I was doing my best to kind of, uh, they call it titrating down, which is basically lowering it like very gradually over time so that your body sort of adjusts. So I had already started doing that. Um, But at the time I was on so much oxygen that like progress was really hard to make. Like at my worst, when I was in the hospital, I was on 40 liters of supplemental oxygen, which is more than your typical oxygen machine can handle. Um, So I had to be hospitalized to have that. In the hospital, I was able to titrate down to 10, which was okay to send me home. And on my own at home, I was able to titrate down to three before ever dealing with Dr. Joe. So that was something I was working on for a very long time, just because I wouldn't accept that, you know, my body couldn't heal. I got completely off of it, I think almost a year and a half ago now. I'm a big fan of Dr. Bruce Lipton, who is friends with Dr. Joe. And one of the things I heard him say not too long ago is that genetics is only 5% of our makeup. Mm -hmm. Now, that's challenging when the 5% is something like CF, cystic. Yeah, Yeah, I I do remember that. That was the first book I read to get into this kind of stuff was The Biology of Belief. When he read out the statistic that 95% of illnesses are environmental or lifestyle diseases, they're not true genetic mutations. And only 5% of diseases are true genetic mutations. And I was like, well, (laughs) you know, I've I've got that 5% right there. So I had that sort of moment of like, well, man, now they can't help me. But then I was just like, you know what? What do we really know about diseases and stuff like that? What do we really know? Like when you when you look at reality and the nature of it and it's like, has science really caught up all the way? Do we really know that you can't change your genes? And then I, I remember there are certain animals out there, like an octopus can change its genes in certain ways. What if it's possible somehow? Do I have to understand it to do it? Can I just reach toward whatever higher power that I have within me? Can it understand what I want and can it do it on its own. And so I figured, why limit the possibility? Why, why accept that something is true? And, you know, how do we really know anything? Why accept something's true when it might not be? So I figured I'm just going to try anyway. I love that. You're making me cry. I have tears actually coming out of my eyes. And um, the reason is because one of my favorite teachers, David Sachs, who's also been on this uh, podcast and he's won awards. He always said, people come to him all the time and they're like, how can you be an Orthodox Jew? How do you even know God wrote the Torah? It's that's, that's preposterous. And he always says to them, do you know how your Mac works? Do you know how your (laughs) car works? Do you drive your car or, or open your computer needing to know how everything works in order to use it? And they're like, what? And then they think about it and they're like, oh, I see what you're saying. And 
The second thing that came to me is I'm watching Painkiller right now on Netflix, which I'm, sh- I'm sure you've heard of. It's it's the the movie about the Sackler family and how they created OxyContin. Um, unfortunately, is responsible for so many deaths. Sorry, I haven't talked about it yet. I've been watching this. I, I'm terrible with watching things that are graphic or violent because mm-hmm. I'm such an empath that it like stays in my bones. Mm-hmm. And I've been watching it for the last three nights. And, you know, I have an award-winning documentary about smoking because my grandfather died when I was three. And I asked my mom, what happened to Papa? And he was like my favorite person alive. And she said, he smoked and he died. So ever mm-hmm. since I was almost three years old, and my sister was also named after him, you know, she's my bestie, like I grew up with her. So I have such um, an anger towards medicine. Mm-hmm. It's very deep because mm-hmm. I lost my grandfather because some doctor on television in the 1950s or even before that in the 30s probably, you know, told him, oh, no, smoking will relax you. Do it. Smoked a pack a day. Mm-hmm. And then he died when he was 63. And every time I see the number 63, I think it wouldn't have been great to know him until he was in his 90s. Uh, I digress. Watching this show and watching all these teenagers be told by doctors that it'll it's like taking Tylenol, but it's easier and better mm-hmm. than watching them OD and die. It's just knowing that the FDA was behind it and knowing that there are people today that are taking medicines and shots and there's someone giving it to them, probably knowing that it's not great for them, probably knowing that it could really hurt them and kill them, mm-hmm. really upsets me. It's like yeah. such a crime against humanity. Mm-hmm. And this is the first time I've really talked about this on the podcast. I'm a little overwhelmed, but hearing you have so much courage to not give into that and you don't even have your oxygen tank, like, it's just so inspiring. And I'm sure there's people in your life that are like, you know, what's wrong with you, Chelsea? Like, you should just listen to the doctors. Oh, yeah. I got a lot of that when I was trying to get off the oxygen. So inspiring. And then I didn't even know half of these details. And I waited till today to find out because just meeting you and like sharing that moment with you at the Dr. Joe retreat, when we're all so connected, you know, that's the thing about doing these meditations together. We sound like crazy people. Like people are going to listen to this episode and they're going to be like, Okay, so Barb's a whack job. I'm I'm officially <laughs> going to stop subscribing because she's crying with this girl she hardly knows who she met at some retreat who's off an oxygen tank and should be having, should be having a lung transplant, but instead is breathing without one. They're either going to go, wow, I should look into it, or they're going to say delete it or unfollow. <laughs> but guys, if you're still here and you're listening, there is something about being at these coherence healings. I'm telling you, there's no one in the room that's not crying Everybody gets really deep, really quickly. We don't even talk. We just, it, we look like aliens. We literally like put our hands out, put our hands on our heart. There's no talking. There are people who are severely ill, whether they're emotionally ill, you know, mentally unwell, physically unwell, spiritually unwell. They just, they're looking for an answer. Some of them have gone to so many doctors and spent millions of dollars towards these doctors and drugs and all kinds of retreats. They're finally laying down in the middle of these eight people putting their hands out. And I saw there was another couple where a guy jumped up. He had ALS. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. This man 
was with his girlfriend or wife. I can't remember. Wife. wife. And she was also there for something else, but he decided I'm going to go down and I, because I have ALS, I'm going to, I can't stand these crutches anymore. That was the most magnificent moment I've experienced in a coherent healing because I had only done them online until that mm-hmm. moment. Mm-hmm. And when I saw that man jump up and everybody, t- all of a sudden there was this commotion. Usually people are hugging afterwards and they're like congratulating each other and saying, it was so amazing. And they're wiping their eyes. There was a group of people in the middle of the room. So there's a thousand people in the room plus staff. So probably 1200 people. And then there's these groups of eight with chairs and no one knows anything about, they keep it very quiet. No one knows what's wrong, wrong or challenging other people. And all of a sudden you see this group of people start screaming with cheer and delight. So when I was finished hugging my people, I ran to the center of the room because he, this guy got the benefit, if you think about it, of all the other groups because he was in the center of the room. So he mm-hmm. had all those circles plus his circle. And I ran up to him and everybody was like, oh my God, I'm so happy for you, man. And I said, what's going on? Because he was just standing there and he goes, I couldn't walk before this moment. I was always in a wheelchair or with crutches and look at me, I'm, I'm standing up. And it took mm-hmm. 22 minutes of a meditation. And it sounds, if you're listening, you're probably going, yeah, someone paid that guy. That's not true. It sounds like, you know, working in tongues or whatever in the church, but it is a church of sorts in a way. But mm-hmm. the cool thing is that everybody's coming from a different religion and background and there's tons of cynics in the room, but you know, Dr. Joe says, leave your cynicism at the door. And when you get mm-hmm. in here, you got to be in the zone. And I wonder if, if we were all fully healed from that cynicism, how much more so could we do it? And could we do coherent healings outside of that room? Every, I, I, I always feel, and tell me if you feel this way, that whenever I walk out of those rooms or when I'm done with a zoom room doing it, I think, why are we not doing this in school? <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely feel like even just meditation in general, like maybe not even necessarily Dr. Joe's version, like meditation in general should just be a part of everybody's education. You know, separate yourself from everything around you and become just you for just a little bit of time would help so many people. Just uh. that one little skill of being able to just sit with yourself and be just in your own presence, I think, I think it has a lot to offer for people. And so let's talk a little bit about your practice. So you find Dr. Joe and what happens? Oh, well, you know, my, my practice evolved a lot over the past couple of years. I started out real gung-ho. I did two, two hour meditations a day, morning and evening. I was bedridden. I had nothing better to do. So I started out with that and I did that for like a year and a half or so. And then we were able to go to our first event. I didn't feel capable of going to an event because I was in a wheelchair. I couldn't walk at all. The farthest I walked was like the five feet to the bathroom back to my bed. That was all I was capable of at the time. And I knew that there were walking meditations and I knew that the hotel was big. And I was just like, I don't know if this is doable, but I went anyway. Cause I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to give it my best. I'm going to try. Hopefully it'll work out and we'll figure it out as we go. It turned out that, at least at the event, cause coming home, I wasn't quite as capable as I was at the event, but at the event I was able, I was able to walk for the whole one hour meditation that you do. The first two walks completely destroyed my legs. Cause my muscles had all atrophied and everything. Getting back up to the hotel room, like my shins were swollen and red and puffy and bruising in places. And I was just like, like, what do I do now? 
And like the next morning we were starting with a walking meditation. That was the first meditation of the day. And I was like, well, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this. And, you know, talking to my fiance, he's like, no, you can do it in your chair. That's fine. There are a lot of people in wheelchairs. They do it in their chair and it's going to be okay. I don't know. There's just something inside me that's just like, nope, that's not good enough. That's not good enough. I was like, you know what? I'm going to start standing. I'm going to push through the pain. If I need to sit down after the stand to move, then that's what I'll do. But during that meditation, as I was standing there with my eyes closed, I saw my future self in front of me. And she just kind of like looked over her shoulder at me and was like, come on. And I was like, okay. Because at that point, I'm just crying. I'm like sobbing. And so I go and there's no pain anymore. I'm just walking and my legs don't hurt. And so after that meditation, when I just sit down just to rest, I'm like tapping my legs on the floor going like, does it really not hurt right now? Because that evening I stood up and I like kind of jumped up and down a little bit and there was no pain. And I was just like, it was amazing. In the room the night before, my fiance was trying to massage my legs and it hurt too much. He couldn't even just touch it. It was too sensitive. And then now I can just suddenly walk in 12 hours. Like It didn't make any sense. It was, it was genuinely crazy. That happened at my first event and I was just completely sold. Okay, let's restructure all of my financial priorities and sell what we can, save what we can and go to as many of these things as, as I can. Because this is the only thing I found that works and I'm not intent on dying. So that's how it all got started. Since then, I've gotten a little gung-ho about meditating that much. I got the feeling of what it feels like to open my heart up and be with myself, understood the kind of energy that that just enlivens your body with. And it's, it's that kind of energy that I believe is, is healing and that is powering me to not need all of the extra medicinal, supplemental, therapeutic, whatnot that I needed before. Nowadays, I'm just recognizing when I'm falling into old patterns of like worry or anxiety or anger, resentment. And then I go, those aren't healing emotions. Those aren't healing frequencies. And that's not in line with what I want right now. Once I notice that I've done that, I say, okay, now it's time to switch, open myself up, connect to more healing emotions like love and sit with that until it sticks. And then I go about my day. So are you on any medication right now? Technically, yes, because there are a few medications that I still find very helpful. Ultimately, my goal is to get off of all of them. But now, you know, I used to take like 20 some odd medications. And now I'm down to like five. Pretty happy with my progress, but I definitely still have a ways to go. All of us. bawling my eyes out. Um, I feel like that one part where you talked about, you saw your future self and she was like, come on. (laughs) Yeah. And I I want everyone listening right now to just take a minute and really feel into in in honor of Chelsea, even if you don't, you know, half of the things that we're talking about, which is crazy because I have no reason to lie and neither does she, but even if you, you get inspiration for any part of her story, just close your eyes for a second, unless you're driving, please pull over, take a deep breath in and just kind of, Chelsea, you can do this with me too. Like just put your hands on your heart, your beautiful heart and take a deep breath and just look, look at your future self and see if you can call them up. 
and what they might be asking you to do today. You can breathe in a few times until you at least hear one sentence, just, just for fun, just kind of. And what's your saying now, Chelsea? I mean, I, I, I still remember her, you know, she's very much a part of me now. I look at her and she's just so much happier and healthier and stronger. And she believes in me. Beautiful. And when I talked to you before we got on, I only asked you one question. I said, what do you want this to be about? And, and you said? Belief. <laughs> I said, belief in God? Because, you know, that's what this podcast is about. You were like, well, please share your answer. It's a great answer. Uh, I said, if you truly believe that you are one with God, then you are your higher power. Yeah. And so belief in you mm-hmm. yourself literally means belief in God too. Now mm-hmm. I don't want people to misconstrue my version of what that is. And I, if, if you're just saying I worship myself, I would say if <laughs> I were you, I would too. You're pretty amazing. But I, <laughs> I, I, I like to make the distinction as someone who studies Torah and Judeo-Christian Islamic values that there is a separate entity called God that is still within and around and between and betwixt all of us and pumping through us all. That is the source of life, source, universe, whatever you want to call it, the Schwartz. And it knows, it has a knowing that we, we just don't have, right. That we don't, we're not able, if we knew it, then we'd be God. And that's just not, (laughs) our conscious mind can't be it. Our unconscious and everything beyond that is Mm -hmm. right. But I'm just so fascinated with it. So, you know, I'm going to ask you this. If you had to forgive one entity, one person, one thing in your life, what would it be? The hardest thing that you ever had to forgive in this in this moment that's coming up for you? Oh, boy. Okay. So the one person I had to forgive was myself. There were a lot of times where I needed to forgive other people. I've been hurt by the medical institution as a whole of like surgeries that I got persuaded to have that I didn't need. There were medications that hurt me. There were times where I almost died because someone made a mistake. And I have a lot of that same anger towards the medical arena that you do too. Um, And when I was working on trying to find forgiveness for it, realized that I wasn't only angry at them. I was angry at myself for trusting them, for believing that I needed to trust them, believing that I wasn't powerful enough to take care of myself, that I had to defer my own idea of what I needed to somebody else that I wasn't qualified to make those decisions for myself and that I needed to take someone else's advice. If I really truly wanted my own sort of autonomy, my own independence, then I should have been able to stand up for myself. I should have been able to say, no, this doesn't feel right. And I don't want it rather than saying, okay, I'll, I'll do what you say because you know better. Forgiving myself for not believing in myself was a big part of my whole healing journey. And how did you do that? Part of forgiveness is understanding. You know, you, you got to understand where somebody's coming from. 
all of those doctors that gave me bad advice, they got into the medical field because they care about other people. You know, you don't become a doctor if you don't, they want to help people. And the issue is, is that the tools they're given to help people aren't quite complete and they're told that they are. If they're coming from that place of honesty and sincerity, what, what more could I really ask of a human being other than to just come from that place? So it wasn't really their fault. It was mine. And realizing that it was my fault meant I had to understand where I was coming from. Forgiving myself involved a lot of understanding about how I got to where I was. Family I grew up in and the life that I'd lived. What happened to me that made me doubt? I did a lot of research. I looked up a lot of attachment theory, child psychology, childhood trauma. I understood why I made the decisions that I did. And I understood why I had the beliefs about myself that I had. And when I understood that, I was able to say, okay, it wasn't your fault, but it's your responsibility. doesn't matter what happened. What matters now is that we're making our journey towards being a more complete person. Now I can do the right things. Beautiful. What's one thing you wish you could give the world to heal, to feel like they could live a life of more freedom? It sounds cliche, I guess, but love, being able to love yourself, being able to love other people, letting go of anything that's not love. You're such a prophet. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad God chose you to be like the poster person for, you can get through cystic fibrosis by meditating because <laughs> like, I want to believe that so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm genuinely moved by your presence. I really hope that you make a TED Talk soon. <laughs> and does Dr. Joe know this story? Uh, yeah, he actually does. That was why I went to Marco Island. They were filming a documentary on Dr. Joe's A Few Success Stories. And they asked me if I wanted to share mine. And that's the whole reason I went to Marco. So you're in the documentary? Uh, well, they haven't finished making it, so I... I'm still leaving the space for them to completely cut me out of it entirely. As far as I know, they plan on having me in there. Well, I hope that part of our conversation makes it into your documentary. <laughs> I hope you make it on your own because I really feel like the world can benefit from your story. Is this your first podcast? Uh, yeah, actually. I've had a few other interviews, but they were like just for private little groups. So this is my first kind of public thing. I'm so proud of you. Uh, write to me if you want to get in touch with Chelsea. I have her personal email and she said that um, she will take some messages. I'm going to take them for her and then I'll forward them on. But you can email me at info at barbheller.com. She does not have a website yet. Although I'm like, <laughs> dude, this is a book, this is a TED Talk, this is a course. I feel like there are so many people who can benefit from your story that that don't even have a quote unquote physical ailment or maybe do have some physical symptoms but aren't really sure what's going on with them. And they've also had issues with doctors before and not known why. And you know what? I'm not here to beat a drum like let's be against doctors and medicine totally because obviously some doctors and medicine are very, very healthy and helpful. Very true. But I do feel that we have we have entered into a new world of Everywhere I go, everything I listen to on Spotify, Pandora, the news, it feels to me since I woke up and noticed this, that medicine is everywhere. 
And that's all people are listening to because they are owning almost everything. And that upsets me because I agree with you that doctors became doctors to heal people. But now every single medical school that I've ever heard of is owned by a pharmaceutical company. And the dissertations that they put together in order to get their doctorates have to include a medical device or pill. And when they come up with new ways of healing, like hydroxychloroquine, for instance, that comes from grapefruit peels that could have cured people during COVID. We know this now. They're, they're saying that it healed people in different countries very quickly and it costs a dollar a box. That was not only not looked at, but people just said, oh, that's a scam. It's not, it's not true. We're going to lose people because they, they played on the fear of people. Now, I'm not saying hydroxychloroquine could have worked for everyone, but it may have worked for a lot of people. And we didn't even try it because we had to rule out everything and put our faith in this, you know, quote unquote, the thing that everybody got in their arm, including me. Um, and I was really upset that I was feared into it because I was against it for a really long time. And I actually went to that retreat where I saw you at, at Marco Island because I was suffering from a really horrible side effect from mm-hmm. the shot. Thank God after those three, four days, I was better. And then eventually completely healed from it. But it was freaking scary. And it yep. only happened after I got the shot. It wasn't mm-hmm. before. So, and I still got COVID right after that anyway. I think <laughs> I got it probably worse than if I hadn't had it because my immune system was amazing before. So anyway, who knows? I think that you are such a superstar. And I think this is going to be the first of many podcasts you're on. So I feel really honored. You know, Dr. <laughs> Hamal Patel who's uh, Dr. Joe, I think he's still his number one research scientist. I was his first podcast too. So So I have a thing for finding people who are really superstars that belong front and center in technologies of how to heal. So uh, I'm excited that this is your first one. And in in Hebrew, we would say, which means thank you, universe, God, for bringing us together to this very particular day, this moment and this season, because this is a special day. This is the -hmm. celebration of your sort of coming out party to the world for (laughs) who you are, the beginning of your story. It's just, it's just getting started. I love you. Oh, I love you too. And whoever's (laughs) hearing this is feeling that love too. Chelsea, you can't see her right now unless you're watching the video, which I might put out of this. But she just beams this radiation of of goodness and love and sweetness. So I'm feeling it through the Zoom call. I'm sure you're (laughs) feeling it too in your ears. Um, Thank you so much for coming, Chelsea. Thank you for having me. This was amazing. So here are some golden nugget takeaways from today's episode. Chelsea wouldn't take a lung transplant, even though she is qualified for one. And she titrated down to not need an oxygen tank because she believes the body can heal. She started with Dr. Bruce Lipton's book, The Biology of Belief, to get into the healing mindset. And we will have the link for that in the show notes. She remembered that certain animals could change their genes. So then why should we as humans accept certain things are true when they might not be? Does science really know everything she started to ask? And the questions that she asked brought beautiful, beautiful answers. And she's still asking questions, which is what makes her so courageous. She thought, what if I could call on the higher power within me to help me? If everyone could do a coherence healing, perhaps the world would be different. If everyone could just leave a little bit of time every day to separate yourself from everything around you and just be and make space 
for you, the you of you, the little bit more of you that wants to settle in and come into this world, to sit with yourself and be just in your own presence. She said to make a space for sitting with herself and her inner energy, that is how she stays above the need for extra supplemental medicines or the oxygen tank. And whenever she feels herself getting anxious or angry or resentful, she reminds herself to go back to that energy and the emotions that serve her like love. And she sits there until it sticks. And if you didn't do the little exercise that I put smack in the middle of this episode, Go ahead and pull over or find a way to get seated somewhere comfortable and safe and plant your feet or your butt right into the earth somehow or on the floor and allow yourself to take a deep breath in and imagine your future self calling you forward. What do they look like? What are they sending you a message of? Is there a word? Is there a sentence? Go ahead. Take a deep breath into that. And as you notice, as you hear, as you listen, as you intuit, take a moment to just feel that message kind of ringing all over your body. Just notice it. See how it lands. See what the universe is trying to tell you. And then maybe write that message down so you don't forget it. Maybe stick it on a post-it on your mirror in your bathroom or in your bedroom. And lastly, what's one tool she wishes the whole world knew for more freedom? To love yourself and to love others actively, not from far away, but in person. Find a way to love people. Find a way to love yourself even more. Give yourself a hug. Give others hugs while we still can. And let go of anything that isn't love. Thanks for joining us. Go see one beautiful soul. If you know somebody with a great story about forgiveness, failure, or freedom, please share them with us. If you learned something new or feel like something from this episode could inspire someone else, please share the episode on your Facebook page or Instagram and tag that person and tag us too. You can find all of our social medias, drop us a note, or join our newsletter at www.c1beautifulsoul.com. Please don't forget to subscribe and review us on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere else you hear podcasts. May we all choose to look for the light in ourselves and each other in all ways, always.